Well, I'm assuming you guys had a pretty free day yesterday. There wasn't really anything going on in the state of Michigan. And uh, it was an interesting day yesterday. I see a few that are excited, some that are just dis- dis- dejected. There we go. There they go. That's right. That's right. My Spartans took it. That's what you're saying. That's right. And you should. I am not saying that. Uh, as a lifelong Michigan fan. I, it was interesting. I went, I got to go yesterday. Uh, my best friend from high school, uh, he and his wife, they have season tickets and they invited Jane and I to go. So we made the trek yesterday and it was, it was literally going down memory lane because I grew up in that area and don't go back that often. So even coming into town and not that you would know the exits like Trowbridge and all this, they're right heading into the campus, but the traffic was stopped like I'd never seen it stop before. I, I I guess I heard earlier on the news, you know, they're, they're expecting so many more people, and it was literally chaotic to try and even get in. Uh, so we get to our, our parking area, or his parking area. It sounds good when I say it's ours, because I was joining him. You know, in my spot set up that I had nothing to do with, but I went with him. Uh, and we pulled in, and as we started to make our way uh, towards the stadium, and there's tailgating parties all over. If you don't know what a tailgating party is, you must live in, like, some rural place I've never heard of, because I hope we all know what they are. And if you had too many of them, we're going to have another conversation later. But uh, so as we're passing it, it actually, it was, uh, I really, it, it, it resurfaced for me some beautiful things. Because this is ironic, but the Holy Spirit has tended to give me, when I've asked for direction on things, sometimes I end up at the MSU campus with I thoughts. So literally, when I was asking God to give me a vision to lead a church, he gave me a picture of tailgating parties at MSU. And you're like, yeah, that's the church. That's not exactly what it meant. Uh, But I I experienced yesterday what I remembered from the vision God gave me, which was people connecting that had known each other for years and talking about life together and all they'd been through, whether recent or longstanding. And my buddy, even as we came to some of the places they knew, even in their seats, the people around them, they knew well and knew life and talked about life that had gone on since they'd seen each other because it had been a while for many of them. And it reminded me when God gave us this vision, he said, I want you to be like people are at these events where they get to know each other and love each other. We call that radically loving, to walk with each other. But God said, if that's all you are, you kind of sit in the mess and nothing changes. And I've got more than that for you. Don't just sit there. And he gave us a vision for this idea of people coming together and just devouring and growing in Scripture, but growing in Christ's likeness, not just in the study of it. And he said, if all you do is sit in your little huddle and do this, you become arrogant and fixed on you being more than others. And these two together are what I have for you. So I just kind of was reminded and renewed as I moved towards the stadium. Now, as I entered, and I'll make no mistake, it did not go the way I'd hoped it had, but... I found myself with a little different eyes watching things yesterday. Maybe just a little more eyes open to experience all that I could. And it was crazy watching, even as the game began, with each play that something marvelous happened, whichever team you rooted for, that group of people went nuts and crazy at the spectacle of what they'd just seen. Athleticism like you can't imagine, just fight and drive. And every time, all of us stood and and chanted and went crazy over it. Nobody had to tell us, hey, you should really think the world of this. We just did. There was this excitement. And at halftime, I don't know if you could see this from where you were if, you were, if you didn't go to the game, if it was on TV, but the two bands, Michigan and Michigan State, played together, which was its own beautiful thing to watch. They did all these Halloween songs. They finished with Thriller from Michael Jackson. And, and what was so funny to me was they stopped during the dance section and they all started doing the little, you know, the whole thing? I won't even try. But they were synchronized perfectly. And I was both amazed and a little creeped out by the whole thing, but... 
I, I sat there literally amazed to get to watch this and think these two people, these two groups of people from different places came together to do all of this. And then towards the end of the game, as I was watching the culmination happen and even seeing the excitement of most of the people there, not me included, uh, something that often happens to me at football games, I started thinking, which is, I'm so bummed that we don't get this way about Jesus. I kind of feel bad about it. And here's the crazy part. I clearly had a whisper from God in this, and all that means is a thought came to me, and it wasn't mine. And it wasn't like that at all. It actually was a course correction for me on it. And literally, I sensed the Spirit say, we don't do this because your eyes aren't open to it. I haven't opened them. And the idea was, ask me to let you see what's really happening. Because if you see it, you'll want more than this. And it, it grabbed my attention in a way that hadn't before, because I often just feel frustrated. Why don't we want this more? And yet sense God going, no, no, ask me. Ask me to open your eyes. Ask me, ask, tell others to ask me to open their eyes. And, and, and immediately this, this memory from Scripture came to mind. It's a story, and it, it isn't direct to where we're going in this, but it's a story of Elisha. And Elisha has this servant with him. Elisha's a prophet. And there's a whole group of people coming against him. And Elisha can see them. And the servant's freaking out. Oh, no, this is going to be horrible. I don't know what's going to happen. And the crazy part was Elisha prayed, hey, open this guy's eyes. And all of a sudden, this other servant could see all these angelic hosts around them protecting them. Oh, come on, his eyes were opened. And it was like God saying, why don't you just start asking my spirit to open your eyes? And I'm, I'm telling you that because we're going to look today at how the Spirit opens eyes and how God moves to let us see. And when we see, I got to tell you, it will be better than a great game as good as it was yesterday. And it won't be you have to do this or should want to. It'll just be amazing. Where we're going to go and start is in the story of the Exodus. Now, in case you don't know, the Exodus is Israel's story. So Israel, they begin with a man named Abraham. God tells him, I'm going to make you a great nation. Doesn't even have a kid. It'll take him 25 years before that happens, and he and his wife will have this child in old age, which still just like makes me sweat a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and so basically after he has uh, his son, and then it goes through three generations, they end up through a whole series of circumstances in Egypt having the favor of Pharaoh. But over the course of generations, they become enslaved in Egypt. And it's 400 years of slavery where one day is the next day is the next day is the next day. And all they do is build stuff for Egypt. And finally, God promises to get them out and sends Moses to do this. There are 10 plagues that show up through God's direction. Each one, by the way, countermands one of the Egyptian gods, shows that God's bigger than that. And it culminates in the uh, offering of these Passover lambs and the firstborn in all of Egypt literally dying in every, every household and every form of animal as well. So finally, Pharaoh lets the Israelites go. They end up at this, right at the corner, right at the brink of the Dead Sea, and now they're trapped because the Egyptians have a second thought and want to come after them. Now God protects them. He puts up a pillar between them of fire. But then he tells Moses, I want you to stick your, basically your staff in the water, and the water, we learned this earlier in the series, but we probably many of you have heard it before, the wind blows and the water moves and separates. By the way, the wind is the spirit, in case you don't know. And the people walk through. Then Moses, God tells them on the other side, take the stick out. And the Egyptians start to come through. And the water caves in on them and they die. 
And that's where we're going to take it up is in this moment and Israel's awareness of what just happened. It's in Exodus 14, and it says this, That day the Lord saved Israel. He saved them from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel what? Israel what? Saw. Their eyes were opened. They saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites what? Saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. What it's saying simply to us is when Israel saw this, when they experienced what God was doing and their eyes were open to it, they saw they were saved and everything changed. This is very cool, by the way. This isn't something you have to manufacture or do. They were just pumped about what happened and their eyes were open and God moved and they got to see what he was doing. Now, what's interesting in all of this is it says they feared the Lord. Now, in our culture, we hear fear and we all get concerned. Somebody probably needs therapy for an unkind and horrible situation, which there's lots of those. Fear in this word, yirah, in the Hebrew, literally means to have awe. It means that we are drawn towards the object of our fear. It's fear for us because it is so perfect and beautiful and majestic that we know we don't deserve it. It's not fear that we're frightened and want to cower back. So I just want to be clear. What it means is they saw God for who he was. Their eyes were open to him, not just their freedom. And by the way, it's all rooted, though, in their salvation. Now, what's fun about this is the next thing they do. You're just saved. You've just gotten free to 400 years. And guess what they do? They sing. This is the first song in all of Scripture, by the way. First song in all of Scripture. It doesn't mean there wasn't singing before, but it means it's different. So they sing to God. Now, we know the Spirit had to be present for that because they all sing the same thing. There were no song sheets. There was no pre-time to, to prep this up. Hey, guys, just in case, God, you know, parts of water, let's learn a song, and then we'll sing it to him when we get on the other side. It means the Spirit was filling them, and the Spirit was awakening them. And this is just a segment of the song. It's not a lot of it. It says, the Lord is my strength. This is what they sang. And my defense he has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Now, what I want you to know, first and foremost, is this idea of singing to God is always rooted in salvation. It's the first time they sing is when they're saved and given a new life. That's when we begin to respond. Singing or song, it says defense probably in the NIV, which is a lot of your translations. The Hebrew word can actually be translated song as well. That's why I put it in parentheses, it is in the uh, ESV, which is another version, simply telling us that, guess what? Song itself is a defense. It's a power that God has given to us. And very simply, what we're learning here is that song itself is rooted in who God is. And song is always founded in salvation. In fact, if I were to say it very simply, it'd be this. Worship is born out of seeing God's salvation. That when we see, when we hear, when he moves, when our eyes are opened, we experience salvation and worship is born out of that. You were all thinking, I thought songs were karaoke. And you know, I don't sing. I'm not a singer. It's not what I do. I'm a, I'm a thinker. I'm not a singer. That's for emotional people. I don't even, I'm tone deaf. I can't sing. It's just, I don't want to sing. They weren't sitting there going, you know, what way would you like to express it? Something inside of them, as God's spirit moved, welled up, and they had to sing. And in case you don't think you sing, and you're not emotional, you don't know those things, I would like to see a video of you at one of the games like I was at yesterday. Because I always love it when people are, oh, I'm dignified, I'm a thinker. 
But then I see him at games, and you definitely are not thinking when I've seen you at games. That's not true at all. You see, because when we experience something, our passion comes out. We can't contain ourselves. You get it? And that's true, by the way, in all the Hebrew scriptures. As worship emerges, as worship and song does, which the Psalms are epic of, there are these great songs, and almost, well, I'd say a bunch of them are about when God moves, they respond in great worship. And the other ones that are called laments are the times he's not moving, and they're going, this is horrible. Would you get us to there? Would you get us to saving us again? Would you get us through this mess? They're crying out. So in song, they are either celebrating and giving thanks or crying out because they need to get here. That's how God moves in Scripture. And it's very simply this, that we see it. It's born out of God's salvation. That's how God moves. And very simply, the birthplace of song. I mean, I know there's music, and I know there's a lot of other things that go on, but I'm telling you, song in the Scriptures is born out of salvation. Which means we want to be people of song, don't we? And we're asking very simply, how does the Holy Spirit lead us in this? Because it's the Spirit's work that does this. Now, as we look at it today, as we consider this today, I'm very simply going to be asking you, will you pray that God will open your eyes? Can can you and I agree that there's a lot more of Jesus than we really get? Because if we got who he was, if we really could see We would live differently, and we would definitely worship differently. And I mean that as no affront to anyone. I just mean it as honest. I can get more excited about a lot of other things, and it's not because I'm a horrible person. It's just because I haven't had my eyes opened. I've lived for something less. Let me give you two categories I specifically want you to consider. Are you part of either of these today? Or really three. One is that maybe you're searching today, and you're not sure who God is. Not sure what you think. You've had good, bad, all sorts of experiences, or even just a lot of questions. And all I'm asking you to do, if you're searching, would you ask God to make Jesus real to you? If you're real, God, show me. Because we think he wants to. I think for some of us here, we've lived with much less of who Jesus is than we're willing to admit. We live a comfortable Christianity that is more about domesticating Jesus. Let's put him into a box so our lives go well, so we keep things the way we want them, and so we move ahead. We don't want him to rock that. We want it to be this way, and it makes it less. And can we be honest? That's common for us. Let me give you a picture of it. Just uh, in my own daily reading of Scripture, uh, I happened to be in the Gospels this week, and one of the the stories I read uh, this week was a story of Lazarus who... Jesus waits to go visit. He dies. And when he gets there, Jesus raises him from the dead, brings him out of the tomb. Now, you would think, as we all do, if people just saw Jesus, they'd want to follow him. And what happens is some people do, but the others come together because they're really angry, and they actually want to kill him. And this is what they say. If he lives, if he moves ahead, we could lose the temple and we could lose our nation. In other words, let's protect ourselves. I just think for some of us, we fashion Jesus in a way that protects ourselves. Like it bothers me that I think I could be more like them than like the ones that are just going on, whatever you are, God, that's what I want. So for some of us, maybe opening our eyes is letting go of the way we've made him lesser and tried to make him something that we can contain and control or to do our bidding. And could today be a day we go, God, I want something more. I just can't live for this. There's got to be more than this. 
And I'm inviting you to respond that way, even as we walk through some passages, some pictures of this in the Bible. Now, my premise is that worship is born out of seeing God's salvation. It's the birthplace of song. Let me move ahead just as examples for you, very simply, of the coming of Jesus. And the whole idea that people's eyes are opened when he comes. So there's a scene that's shared in Luke chapter 1. It's Luke's one of the four accounts of Jesus coming. And in it, Mary has already been told by the Holy Spirit that she will have Jesus and already told that what will happen. And she's now, actually, she's already been placed in deep sleep. She has it. So she is going to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Now, in case you don't know Elizabeth, Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, are really old. And they were told mystically by God, actually, while Zechariah was serving in the inner sanctum, in the Holy of Holies, that God would give them a son. Uh, Zacharias asks a question, so the angel makes him mute, so he's not able to talk. But Elizabeth is now pregnant and further along than Mary. The moment Mary walks into her, room, into her house, it says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. Because guess what? Even though the baby could only hear and couldn't, see, couldn't talk, the baby's spiritual eyes were open, and the baby knew Jesus was there. And the baby jumped. Now, here's what I want you to get from that that I love. You realize that worship is more than just singing and definitely more than just singing in terms of like singing dignified and being all, oh, look at me, I'm sophisticated. Like in worship in the scriptures, they raised their hands, they clapped, they danced, they did all sorts of stuff. In fact, David, one point in time, is worshiping so wild, his wife goes, dude, you are embarrassing me, sit down. And basically his response is, listen, listen. I'll get even worse. I'm going to be more undignified than this because I can't contain it. Wouldn't it be nice if you and I got more cowbell every Sunday just because you couldn't contain it? I'd like to have a problem of cowbell getting hit and going, listen, we love your cowbell, but it's off pitch right now. And we just, I mean, it'd be nice if we were less dignified and we started feeling more free, wouldn't it? I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm from West Michigan. You know, we don't get free here. We, we, keep, it, we keep it cozy. We, we're careful. That's a little uncomfortable. I want you to get a picture. When God opens your eyes, you don't care. You just don't care. I'm not interested in dignified. I'm not interested in reasonable. I'm interested in Jesus smacking that stuff away by just showing up. Now, Mary's response after Elizabeth tells her what just happened with the baby in the room is Mary sings a song, by the way. It's a famous song. It's called the Magnificat. If you grew up around the Catholic Church at all, it was spoken, sung lots of times. Mary basically begins to sing out, I can't believe I have the benefit of Messiah as a part of my life. What a kindness. But the rest of the song is her talking about how Jesus is coming. Oh, you want to know what salvation is? It's taking all this oppression and bringing freedom from it. It's changing the trajectory of history. Jesus is going to come. He's going to free people. He's going to bring new life. She's just singing it because she can't contain it. Oh, tell me you don't need God to open your eyes. I do. I don't want to read about it. I want to see it. Now, from there, Zechariah, the other guy who's the husband, remember, he's a guy that can't talk. Once his baby's born, he basically writes the name out. God opens his mouth again so he can talk. Guess what he does? He sings. <sighs> it's not like God went, well, I need a singer. I think I'm going to pick them. He went, you know what? This is how people express themselves. I always love when people tell me they're not. And I'm like, okay, well, I just want you to play your phone in your shower regularly because I bet you do even when no one's listening. Just don't stop lying to me. It's just not true. Like, you can't contain yourself. That's the picture of this. 
When Jesus is born, the angels sing. I'm telling you, when our eyes are open to him, we will be birthed in song. You want to know what the songs will be? They'll be songs out of our lives of what God's doing. We heard Tom's story today, a story of incredible deliverance and freedom from bondage. You don't think Tom has a song from that in his life? Oh, man, you bet he does. You think it's not right there all the time? You bet it is. But like Tom and all of us, we don't want a moment that happened. We want to keep living in it. More and more and more. God, open our eyes. Let me take you to one experience Jesus has, and it both gives picture to this. Uh, It's a time with a Samaritan woman that he's hanging out, which I always like to take the song American Woman and sing to it. Samaritan woman, keep away from me, because that's how we kind of think about her. And that's true. They were supposed to stay away from Samaritans, let alone a Samaritan woman. And she was at this water trough at a time no one would be there, which is why he shows up at an off time to see someone no one would want to see. And he has a powerful interaction with her, mercifully revealing some of her past, but offering life to her. And she asks this simple question. You know, you Jews say we'll worship in Jerusalem, and we say it's another mountain. Where will that be? And this is what Jesus says back to her, very simply. A time is coming, and it's even now, when true worshipers will worship the Spirit, worship uh, the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, the Father's looking for that. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The simple thing he's saying is it will no longer be about geography or even proximity. God's spirit will search for people and will fill them, and the spirit in us will be what causes worship. It will be everywhere and anywhere. And in case you don't even get the fullness of this picture, this Samaritan woman decides to follow Jesus And guess what her first act is? She goes to the neighborhood. She goes around her neighbors and goes, you guys got to hear what just happened. She's literally the first evangelist that comes around after being transformed by Jesus. A Samaritan woman of no reputation, certainly no pedigree and no training. And she's the first one to convert a whole city. Because guess what? Her eyes were opened. And she said, come on, get your eyes opened with me. You get the picture of this? I'm telling you, when the spirit moves, people's eyes are opened. And when people's eyes are open, they can't contain themselves. And they have to tell other people. And I love who Jesus picks to do this through. Let me take you in further because I want you to understand how the early church saw this. I don't think it'll be difficult for you, but let me just take you. This is a letter Paul writes. And he's talking about how God moves. He says this. It's written, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived. This is in in early writings. The things of God has prepared for those who love them. In other words, they're hidden. These are the things God has revealed to who? To his followers, to us, by his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit's role is to open our eyes. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This word revealed literally is like having a curtain over something that's hidden it. And the curtain is taken away and now you can see. Come on. What Paul is saying is God's spirit comes to let us see what is not seen. Both the dreams he has for our own lives and the dreams for the world around us. He wants us to see Jesus, and he wants us to help other people see Jesus. He wants to move in small and great ways, and his whole life and role in us is to open our eyes. Isn't that amazing? Things that have been hidden from forever 
And here's the great thing. Jesus opened the eyes of a Samaritan woman. You don't think you matter much? You do. You think you matter a lot? You still do, but not over other people. And when you think you do, and that determines it, it usually keeps your eyes closed. Let me just show you one more that gives a little more explanation, and it will make more sense why Paul even says this. We've heard this passage for many of us before. Listen, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> Count Mesa, who is a uh, Catholic uh, Jesuit charismatic, that is actually also the papal priest, wrote a book called The Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. And his simple premise is, if you think drinking is good, the Spirit is better. And that's what Paul's saying here, by the way. We usually use this as a, as a smack to be, you stop drinking. Spirit. But we sound like it's a, a bad thing. So we're going, no, no, stop drinking. Man, the spirit is better. That's what Paul's saying here. This is something so much better than the momentary masking of really what's going on you do by drinking. Speak to another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, when you come together, guess what? You're supposed to sing. You singing to each other, and that means the songs out of what's going on in your life. It doesn't mean you write songs so you can sing to each other. Well, you know, he's been not living in a good way. I want to tell you today, stop living that way. That's not what he means at all. I know I write better songs than that, but that's just all I had in the moment, okay? So it's just what you got. What I'm saying is, what we bring to each other are the songs of God opening our eyes. And when God gives us songs from opening our eyes, don't you think we want to give them to each other? Do you know what I need when I'm struggling? The songs from your eyes that God's opening. Because when God moves in your life, it helps me in my life. Do you know what you need when you're struggling? You need the songs from my life. Because when God's moving in my life, it helps your life. We were meant to come together and bring the work of God, the way he's opening our eyes to each other. I long for the day when songs rise out of us because we can't contain ourselves and what God's doing in and through all of us. It's really a very simple thing I'm asking you to do, really ask for, not do. It's just, will you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes that you could see Jesus? Would you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes that you'll see his salvation? And I don't just mean once and for all, his ongoing work of bringing hope and life. Would you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes that you'd see his power and his kingdom? Would you actually ask for help and presence, and then would you start to sing to him out of it? That's all I want us to do today. And, and I have a, a desire in how we're going to do this, because I wanted to bring you over to my house and sit in my little living room with my little fireplace going and my little piano, because I love to just sit and worship. But I thought, well... We don't all fit, so let's do it here. And so I want to conclude our time worshiping together and kind of leading you, and Carter and Hannah are going to help me with this, but I want you to consider that we're just hanging out in my house, and we're just being the church together. First service, I got really emotional, and I was so convinced I wouldn't. Somebody actually gave me Kleenex after the service, like, I think you need this. I loved what they said, because, you know, when God moves, you can't really tell him no, so I can't control it anyway. I have been so moved about this for all of you. Um, so, I don't, like, I don't like having to do this part. Um, uh, 
so I'm singing this week, kind of getting ready, wanting us to sing together. And uh, I get so moved that I can't sing. I'm just crying. And I'm feeling the heart of God longing for us to ask for his presence. And uh, so I just had to keep playing because I couldn't sing. I was like, I just thought, I don't really want to hear barking, so I'm going to keep playing. But I felt God's heart going, just ask me. Just ask for my presence. So as we're going to sing, and that's what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you, if you're searching today, would you ask God to make Jesus real to you? If you're disheartened and you've kind of dis, you're trying to disentangle your own faith and you're going, I'm so disappointed with the hypocrisy I see in people that you're kind of giving up or recreating, would you let go and go, God, show me you're real, that I won't be distracted by this? If you're in the place today where you go, I've settled for less, I've made God domesticated and kind of kept him in a box and I like the way it goes, maybe you today say, Holy Spirit, would you just break the box? that I'd see Jesus as he is and want that instead of this. So I'm going to invite you actually to stay seated for now because we're going to celebrate communion as we sing in the first song. We're going to do a, this is going to be going on for a little while. I just want to warn you. So you're, you're at my house. You don't get to leave yet. You can, but I'll call you out. I won't really. I, I want to just give you a minute to quiet. You pray honestly with God. And then I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing and we'll receive communion. And it's open to anybody, by the way, that wants to respond. And then we're going to keep singing. Because I want you just to hang out with me for a while as we pursue Jesus together. So you take a minute and you pray in the quiet. for you to lead us now together. I want to pray for those that are searching that they would discover your presence in a beautiful way today. I want to pray for those of us who've settled for less that we would see the majesty of who you are. And Lord, I want to pray for those who are, I guess, just brokenhearted by the hypocrisy they've lived through and watched and the way they've wanted to just deconstruct things that they would instead or in the midst of it, they would find you fully present, fully alive. God, let us be an audience to the very words we sing. Reveal Jesus, Holy Spirit.
respond to what Jesus has done by receiving communion together. So we don't just sing about, we receive his very presence. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. Here we are just sitting around in my virtual living room, just like the early church, having communion together. None lesser and none greater, all saying, God, open our eyes. This is who we respond to as Jesus. Let's take the bread. In the same way Jesus took the cup, said, this is my bloodshed for the forgiveness of sins. It's a new covenant. When you take this, you remember what I have done, what I am doing, and what I will do. Open your eyes to who he is. Let's take the cup. Holy Spirit, would you make us aware, not just of Jesus' presence, but of his life, his resurrection, his silencing sin and death. God, could we be an audience to our words even as we sing together? Continue to lead us. Let's, uh, let's stand as we worship. Good night.
Lord Jesus, we want to see you. We do not want a domesticated faith. We want to breathe life where we're disheartened. Oh God, we want to see you as you are when we're searching. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to open our eyes. It wouldn't be a sentiment. It wouldn't be a nice idea for a moment. It'd be a new way of life. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to reveal Jesus. I pray something will open today that cannot be shut. Something will open in us individually and together that cannot be stopped. Something will change that cannot be explained. So, Lord, I am just asking for you to breathe life. I'm crying out, breathe life. Bless each one of my brothers and sisters here. Awaken us to you. Just pray this in your holy name. Amen.